Hi, Hannah. Hi, Evan. How's it going? Good. Feels good to be recording a design doc. It's a nice, rainy day. It is. It's the fall equinox today, and it feels it in the weather, in the rainy weather. <laughs> what makes it feel equinal? Uh, it's a little gray. Mm -hmm. The leaves are starting to turn here. Yeah. I don't know. There was just, there was something about waking up this morning to like the sound of rain, which sometimes is kind of depressing. But this morning I was like, yeah, I'm going to indulge in like a, a book. Change is afoot. Yeah. I, I like this time of year. Me too. So I think we're talking about Questlandia today. It's a Questlandia day. It's a, yeah. What are we talking about? Well, at this point with Questlandia, we are wrapping up some fiddly little end things before it goes off to the printer. So I thought we'd talk about fiddly little end things. Yeah. There's more than you think there are. Not you specifically. That's flet for short. Flet? Flet. We're, ta <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the flets. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's like, would you say over the years we've gotten better at predicting... How long things take? A little bit? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're always wrong still. Well, it's like also this curve. It's like there's two lines running parallel to each other. And one of the lines is like getting better at predicting how long things take. And then the other line is like growing in your skills and constantly reaching the peak of your expertise and then things take longer. There's a name, there's this plateau that you, they say you reach when you're teaching yourself, like when you're learning a skill where you, your like ability to critique your own work is greater than your ability to fix it. Right. And then and, it reverses. And then you and can, forth. and then it, yeah, then it just keeps going back and forth. And so I feel like we're constantly finding ways for things to take longer. Yeah. We keep stretching our ambition. As we get better, or I don't know, better, we just get more precise about what we want, more ambitious about what we want. So yeah, I think before we were always wrong about how long stuff would take, <laughs> and now we're always wrong. But <laughs> the stuff is better. Always wrong and more realistic, uh, like less uh, emotional about it. Yeah, I think we're less devastated to yeah, be wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's been improving. No, you're right. It's like... Being wrong all the time never comes as a surprise anymore. It's just the state that I expect. <laughs> We've fully accepted that we are incapable of predicting the length of work. Uh, which I don't think is actually true. I don't think that's totally true. But so should we talk about the fiddly end bits and what it's like to feel like you've finished a project and then realize like, wow, there's still so much left. I'm in the end. How long is the end? Let's decide where the end begins. Oh, yeah. Because oh, we, I think we had a, maybe a disagreement about where the end began. Well, you were interested in saying that once we had the text into layout software, and basically all the text is spread across all the pages of the book, and we've put in a bunch of spots for images, that's when the end begins. I feel like for me, the end began, begins even like later than that. It's like sort of after the book is 90% laid out and it's time to make it perfect and align paragraphs and fix like hanging, hanging letters or text that bumps something to the next page. Like I feel like the end begins when you're like, oh, the book is completely laid out. We're done. Yeah. In, you know, in quotes. But you you had a different idea of when the end begins. No, I'll sign on to your idea. That's oh, okay. That's a good end point. So would you say, like, the fiddly end bit started when we did our line-by-line read-through of the book? Yeah. Okay. So what that was is we had already sent the text 
in like a Google Doc form to an editor and gotten it back. And then we're going to give that editor a second round with it laid out in the book, you know, as as a reader would see it. And so we had everything laid out and we're like, okay, before we send it to the editor again, let's just do a read through, make sure we're happy with every line, and then we'll send it off. And at that point, we said, like, maybe that's going to take a whole day. <laughs> um, it would be nice if it didn't. But let's even let's schedule two days for that process to be realistic. Yeah. Just the, the process of reading through, making sure there wasn't anything we'd missed before sending it back right. to the editor. We were like, it's Tuesday now. <laughs> well, let's plan on sending it out on Friday. How long did it end up taking us? It was about 15 days of work. Wow. <laughs> we were we were <sighs> quite a bit off. So what was going on to make those those final edits so cumbersome? I feel like one thing in the book we have this running example game. Like Here's a, a running example of a game of Questlandia, and that example is, like, peppered throughout the text. And it's ongoing. It's the same players, the same characters. You can sort of, like, pick up the story, and then it gives examples of mechanics and stuff. Uh, and then we have examples that are disconnected examples to support other examples of, like, types of worlds and moods in Questlandia. Because we really wanted to get across in the updated edition, like, this game can be sci-fi, this game can be fantasy, without just saying, like we did in the original, like, it's a toolbox, which I don't think we quite said that, but maybe the emphasis seemed more on traditional fantasy, uh -huh. despite us saying again and again, like, this is unlike a traditional fantasy book. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We, we wanted to, like, lead by examples for this one and give a lot of disconnected examples that showed different examples of, like, genre and tone. So with the long-running example, that's the same game being revisited over the course of the whole rulebook, there were a lot of different goals we had for that thing. <laughs> <laughs> like... Like, first, it's supposed to illustrate the rules of the section it appears in. So it should be useful to say, like, oh, okay, that's how they actually, like, how players talk out using this mechanic or going through it. How much they might say, like, how long an answer they might give to a certain prompt, who speaks up, what order they speak up, that kind of thing. It's meant to illustrate a lot. Also, it's supposed to be coherent. Like, you're supposed to recognize these players and these characters. And there's four players, and they each have a character. So that's eight different names. Yeah. Yeah, so already we're, like, just in text. <laughs> we had said a while ago we were going to create the war and peace of role-playing game. So there it is. <laughs> you got eight different characters to keep track of immediately. But we wanted to make that as light a load as possible. There's keeping track of them and their characters, and then there's keeping track of the characters' relationships to other characters, and then there's keeping track of the story of their game, the place that it takes place in, <laughs> the weirdness of that setting, and then a story arc from beginning to end. Also, making it coherent in a story that's being put down and picked up again, like we're not seeing the entire story. Right. You're only um, getting little fragments of this game, but we don't want it to be baffling what's going on. We want it to be recognizable as part of the same story. So that's a little tricky. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of both of those ambitions, we want it to be fun to read. Like, we just want it to be actually enjoyable as though it was a bit of fiction. We want the choices that the players make in the game to be both simple enough that it's still a good example, but 
surprising or funny enough that you're looking forward to seeing what they do next. Yeah. So it's supposed to do all of those things at the same time. And when we started reading through them again, basically every single line on one of those counts could be improved. It's funny because I don't even remember... It was probably only a few weeks ago, and I don't even remember having to make massive improvements to that like in-game running example. I remember more that we focused a lot of our attention on like punching up the, our little one-off examples. Yeah, we did that I, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that I don't even remember our, our example game. Well, you've always been good at like I am sort good of at blocking out the uh, <laughs> the pain points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like Dollhouse or like a fucking Westworld or something. I'm just like, I don't see anything at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, combined with that, this overlaps with just, just general layout stuff is, you know, these examples, these long examples also are formatted in these special boxes. They have to be set apart in a distinct way from the text. And as we edit those for clarity and stuff, it just starts to totally mess with the layout of the entire book. So, right. um, you know, in layout, one thing that you want to avoid is like, I can't remember if they call them orphan words or, yeah. um, you know, like one word that bumps down to another line. Or, so your whole paragraph ends with a line that's just a single word. Uh, so sometimes fixing that involves trying to remove text from earlier in the paragraph. Sometimes it involves adding text. So mm -hmm. some of that like massaging of the language is also just in service of the layout. Except but, it's never just in service. Well, right? that's that's like, the once thing. we actually start considering it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, because across the board. When we did those second passes to add or remove, we always felt like the text improved. Just like it always improved yeah. in our eyes from getting that second pass. Yep. I'm just trying to think of a counterexample and I can't. I feel like we <laughs> it was we we tried many, many things that did not improve it. Yes. We we're often like <laughs> we could remove this word. No, no that that's word confusing. No, nope, yeah. that's a good description. Nope, now it doesn't make sense. So yeah, we always had to find something that was, at the very worst, an unnoticeable rewording. <laughs> yeah. So then there were also the uh, like one-off examples. Right. And those got a huge overhaul. We like went through the book and just found during our read-through that they were, a lot of them were just lackluster to us. Yeah. And it felt like a wasted opportunity because compared to the running example, these ones have a lot more leeway to be creative and fun because they don't have to tell a whole story. They don't have to fully illustrate a rule or what people are doing around the table. They can just be a fun example of a game of Questlandia, some facet of it. And at the same time, I mean, in some ways, you do want each one to tell a little story. It's like you want each example to be its own little piece of microfiction. So we just, we punched up a lot of those. Like, you know, we would have one like, so-and-so, when, when, I don't know, give me a name. <laughs> when Winslow. When Winslow went into the dragon's chambers, he found... To avenge uh, his dragon. father, it was a dragon, and he went to avenge his father to, you know, like, find a sister's amulet. And we were like, we want to make every one of these weird without having that, like, everyone's weird. It's so random, which is something we talk about a lot, is, like, not making them weird for the sake of weird. Right. But just to feel like you're glimpsing something unique. I think what really prompted that is that we had a few examples in the book already that were just head and shoulders above the others. Yeah. And it's like, if we hadn't already thought that, there were places where, like, the editor was like, ha-ha, or like, wow, or good one. Which is not, a, not something that he commonly does, <laughs> but a couple examples. And that feels good, and 
It was like, we agreed. We're like, yeah, that example does stand above the others. Then we're like, why would we have any examples be below that level? Like, if we're capable of making them that good, then let's just make them all that good. So that was a process. But that was, I mean, to my memory, that was one of the most fun aspects of this final pass. Yeah, that was, I had fun with that. That was genuinely fun. I hope people enjoy reading the little examples. I like them. I'm, I'm biased. I think they're funny. <laughs> I, think they're, I think they're funny too. And yeah. What's another thing that's like a fiddly end bit that ended up taking a while or sort of stretching out the process? Um, the diagrams, like examples of how to use the dice in the game. That's maybe my least favorite bit of work on the whole project because like when I draw stuff, I like being very scribbly and loose. I like being a little abstract. I like calling it done before it looks done. Diagrams are exact. They have to be just like crisp and clear. Every element of it should just be ignorable except for what it's trying to teach you. You know, it should all just be so simple, streamlined, and expected that you just pay attention to the rule. And ugh, I just, <laughs> it's so hard for me. It's like, it's like, I'm not usually even using the right tools to make things perfectly aligned on the page. Yeah. Uh, to make my lines perfectly clean and crisp, but it's the wrong place to have like scribbly lines. Now, there was one diagram that was like kind of an optional diagram. Uh, it was one that we'd had a we had a picture in the original book of like when people are first selecting characters and there's a bunch of playing cards laid out and then they're just like rolling dice on top of the playing cards to come up with a character and the character's ambition. And there was like one day, like I don't know, two weeks ago, you were like, I don't want to do this diagram. I was like, please, please, please just just find some way that this diagram doesn't have to be included. I was just like, good luck. No, you can do it. And you were like, no, I don't want to do it. I, I so don't want that. It was not my proudest moment. No, I was having was, a little breakdown. It was okay. I mean, <laughs> I spent all this time trying to just draw cards face down on a table in perspective. No, it was little totally okay. Side angled dice. That would be casually rotated, but that's rotating cubes in the proper <laughs> perspective. Because if the perspective looks off, then it looks wonky. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's actually like a bizarrely tedious and exacting image to just show some dice resting on some cards. Yeah. So that, I mean, that is, it's one diagram that was literally skippable. And hopefully, you know, as if somebody struggles... At least we saved you some struggle. Um, we'll have like the an opportunity for you to, you know, rate the book lower on Itch.io. It's probably <laughs> going to be on like RPG Geek. Like, you know, that diagram's missing, and uh, we deserve whatever people dish out for that. Yeah. Well, hopefully you had you were given one more good day. <laughs> I was given one more good day on Earth in return. <laughs> I feel bad, too, because, you know, sometimes as we're there's a part of a project that we get to where more and more of the work falls on you as the person who does the diagrams and the writing or sorry, not the writing. I said the wrong thing. <laughs> uh, I help with the writing. <laughs> I didn't I do mean, some writing. I didn't mean the writing. You're the person who does the diagrams and you do the art, and there's a lot of layout that I can help with, and I've gotten better at layout over the years, but you're the designer, so, mm -hmm. you know, I feel that's a hard part of getting towards the end, is I just feel like there is a is a point where more and more falls on you, and there's good stuff that I can be doing. Like, I'm like, I'll do our taxes, but it's not stuff that, like, is in service of getting... Questlandia to the printer. Yeah, it's, well, it's also by the end, even with the writing, we are both involved with every word. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great point, too. It's like, we're at the point where we've passed back drafts so many times. Now, whatever comes next has to be approved and looked over by both of us. So I can't even take that on on my own. I'm not like, don't worry, I'll just finish the book. Wink, (laughs) it's going to be crazy by the time you see it. (laughs) I guess I could just do that. Like, surprise, it got weird. I mean, it makes me feel bad because I end up feeling like I'm holding up the whole project. Oh, gosh. Especially (laughs) when it comes to art. Art's like weird because it's kind of enjoyable compared to other parts of the work. But I mean, part of that enjoyment is that I can get into a sort of zone with it. I can put on some music, get set up and just draw. But when I do that, it's like, oops, that was the whole day. And I'm (laughs) almost finished that drawing. Yeah. And it feels weird compared to other ways to spend the day. Because if we're proofreading text together, it's like, oh, we got through 17 pages today. And we responded to this many emails and did this much taxes and packaged and shipped this many games. But when I do art, it's just like, I've done almost one thing today. (laughs) I feel bad when, I mean, when you feel bad about it, you're like, I'm sorry, it took so long. I'm just like, don't feel bad. You're making the book. (laughs) I wish I could help. There was, wasn't there one time? Oh, yeah, it was for... Uh, a reward connected to Damn the Man that has been almost entirely finished for years now. Uh Like a bonus reward for Damn the Man. And there was even a point like (laughs) a while ago where I tried to do the art. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, a huge part of the reason this has been so delayed is that we just, you know, we we took on too huge an art and layout project in this stretch goal promise. Like, why don't I do the art? It didn't go so well. <laughs> I tried, but it might be one place where I just can't help at the level. Well, it gets especially difficult when we're in the fiddly end bit zone and we're looking at the art and there's little improvements to make. But, well, this is something I was thinking about with art in general, which is that It's not completely true, but I feel like a lot of the expertise that goes into artwork, a lot of the skill, shows up at the end of the work. Because when you're starting, you sketch it out, like you block out some big colors, right? And then you make some basic shapes. And then you maybe make some forms of trees or people or buildings. And then you start doing some detail work. It's like, oh, the buildings are going to have windows, and there's going to be bark on the tree, and clothes on the person. And then you start working on shading, and you're like, okay, the light's hitting in this way, and so it's going to light up this and this way. And somewhere sort of across this whole spectrum, you're also thinking about colors and what colors go together and how they're affected by light and shadow. And then you start working on materials. And you're like, okay, this bark is rough. This window is reflective. This skin is soft. And as you go down these categories, doing them convincingly is a more and more specific act. And it also needs to be consistent. Like, you might have that tree, that person, that building, that sky, those clouds, all in the same picture. And that means for it to look intentional... You need to have a consistent level of skill in rendering a cloud, a sky, a building, a window, a person, clothing, bark, leaves. Otherwise, it's like, oh, the grass looks scribbled onto this otherwise finished looking thing. Yeah. As you approach the end of a piece of art, you're dealing with more and more exacting, skillful finishing bits. I'm also thinking of this because I just went to an art museum and, you know, I was just looking at these paintings and it's like, oh, I can imagine blocking this out. I can imagine putting trees here and a lake there, just like they did. I can imagine using the same colors. But could I ever make the light reflect on this water the way that they did? It's like, oh, I just can't imagine coming up with that on my own. The combination of colors and textures, it's 
It's beyond me. So then we get to the fiddly end bits where we have the art mostly done, but then we're looking it over and we notice a few things that need a little changing. And they feel real little because it's just like, oh, maybe, maybe that shape doesn't quite work or like the te- that color looks a little off on the texture. Maybe we could just tweak that a little. But tweaking that little thing often means pushing it just a smidge past what I'm able to actually do. And the work goes up exponentially, where suddenly I can spend a whole afternoon just trying to get the right color mixture. Because it's hard for me. It gets into stuff that's just very difficult. And, I mean, it just makes me feel crazy. Like, recently one piece of art, we're like, well, let's we should widen it a little bit and maybe make these <laughs> rock formations look a little bit less like upside down baby legs. Well, this was so, so this is also another is another note that we had because uh you know in the past also cuz you I mean you've done the art for our projects for the most part and uh you'll make an art and I'm like it's great. This is great art. And a lot of times we don't Sometimes we don't even really discuss it going into the project, like what kind of art. Um, With this one, we talked about it a little more. And I like also tried to be more involved in like, let's make sure we have this type of like spot art to make sure that these like genres, these different genres and types of stories are represented. It's the first opening spot art, I think in the overview section of Questlandia, and it's this little canyon with sort of two pillary... Pillars of rock. Pillars of rock. Pillary pillars of rock on each side. And, like, for some reason, the illustration just didn't sit right with me. And I've been trying in Questlandia, too, to be, be, like, more art direction assertive, Mm -hmm. um, rather than just being like, it's great, which it's always great, and you do so much, but... I felt like the way that the two little pillars were angled, it looked like when babies like are laying on their backs and they're kicking their legs in the air. And to me, it looked like like two little spread out baby legs kicking in the air, like in like the happy baby yoga pose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it looks like baby legs. Can you make it look less like baby legs? And you were like, <laughs> I'm not seeing any baby legs in this picture. And it's like, how do you how do you make it look less like something that you don't see? And I feel bad because I mean we're we're going to print soon and I know you're still struggling with that image. And all I can say is like, don't make it look like baby legs. <laughs> now I'm just like, should we just make the very first image just a giant baby laying on its back? That's Questlandia, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's Questlandia, baby. <laughs> Uh, uh, I feel so bad. And yet, I'm like, I don't like the picture yet. Yeah. And I hate, I feel so bad saying that to you. I mean, it's always just worse when we're behind schedule and we're always behind schedule. And so it just has this feeling of like, of, well, it's just very frustrating to try to make these rock pillars look less like baby legs <laughs> and to spend four hours on it. And to be like, I just made the picture so much worse. It looks terrible now. Oh, I haven't seen the updated one. Well, Maybe there's I a reason. <laughs> Maybe I can see it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Ugh. I mean, part of it's also that that was one of the first pictures I made. And it's hard to return to the exact tools, brushes, and mindset that I was using to make that. And so the new edits start looking wrong. Mm. And then I'm like, well, I can either keep trying to mimic the older style, which, you know, I, it would have been better if I took notes, but I don't because I'm bad. <laughs> uh, or I can sort of go over the whole image to make it consistent with the edited bit. And that's the kind of thing that sends me in multi-hour-long adventures of making and remaking art and never being satisfied. 
Have you looked at pictures yet? Like, have you looked at pictures of like babies in the pose? Maybe, maybe a maybe a little compare and contrast. (laughs) Like, if you're like Grand Canyon baby doing happy baby. You might be right. Like, I don't know what I'm trying to avoid. Yeah. I don't know what a baby looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I've only heard of babies. <laughs> the same way that this little issue has occupied an outsized portion of our work on this project, it's doing the same to this podcast episode. <laughs> the baby just, like, grows... to eclipse everything well despite how difficult it is you're not being a baby about it hey (laughs) i just want to let you know (laughs) and i'm here to support you (laughs) a little bit of a baby (laughs) all right so i'll say one other thing that is one of those fiddly end bit things and this is something that we, it's not even like we left this to the end because it's unpleasant. It's something that you have to leave to the end, which is making the table of contents. Right. So we're using Affinity Publisher for the first time for this project. Yeah. Which is a layout software. Soft? Do people even say software anymore? App? Ah, I feel like so, like, I'm like... I think people still say software. Do people say software? Because there was a... Am I out of touch? No, well, yeah, I don't know. There was this conversation that I had had with somebody on Discord where I can't even remember what it was that I was talking about, but I said the word software. And the person was like, do you mean app? But I was like, well, no, an app is on my phone. This is, like, on my desktop computer. Uh (laughs) And then I was like, oh, God, am I, like... So clearly, somebody who like grew up playing Lemmings on a f- on a floppy. <laughs> I think you've given away floppy. the game. <laughs> uh, anyway, so we're using Affinity for this instead of InDesign because Adobe is just terrible and they're bad. Yeah. Um, we don't want to give them any more money, and they were taking more money than we had anyway. So it was sort of a non. It was like we came to a mutual understanding that it was time to part ways. Yes. So Affinity is pretty good. It is different than InDesign. There's places that we've struggled with it. It did have a learning curve. Learning curve. Learning curve. <laughs> it did a have learning a learning curve. <laughs> Affinity is pretty good. I've been happy with it. Have you been happy with it? Oh, yeah. I had pushed back at first. I was like, no, we have to, like, we're not going to be able to leave the Adobe ecosystem. Affinity's not going to be as good. It's been different and, like, it had its own learning curve, but I think that it's been fine. Uh huh. But, you know, it's like there are those fiddly things that frustrate you that you don't know how to do. Whew, the table of contents. My dude. I had some, like, emotions about the table of contents because, you know, I was like, I, you know Affinity better, but neither one of us has made a table of contents. Uh-huh. I'm a smart enough person that I feel like between tutorials and also having done this in InDesign, and I'm sure there's some similarities, I can start our table of contents. I had a real fucking hard time with it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's there's all these tools to automate flowing in certain styles into the table of contents which is the same in InDesign like you can apply you can be like flow in my headings flow in heading one heading two heading three every time I did it there was this character override that was getting flowed in to the table of contents that turned every single letter in the (laughs) in every single heading in the table of contents into our Arts polyhedral dice pips font. So, like, it was just like dice pips. Every letter was just a die, uh-huh. like the face of a six sided die. And I was like, it's okay. Evan is working so hard on the baby feet. Like you can, <laughs> you can do this. You can figure out how to not make the entire table of contents dice. Like this is not that hard. <laughs> and then, like twenty minutes later, I was like, Evan, I am so fucking frustrated with it. <laughs> um, 
so we did work that out eventually. But, you know, it's stuff like the table of contents and the copyright page are places where there are things that a, a lot of people are just going to skip over. Even the table uh-huh. of contents, I think. Like, yeah. more people will read that than the copyright page. But every single page in the book gets made. And every single page of the book gets made by us. And so even this boilerplate stuff, like, we give consideration to. And right. we, like, make decisions about, like, how how boilerplate do we want this to be? <laughs> do we want to say, you know... <laughs> Copyright, all permissions owned by Turtle Bond, do not steal. How much of that do we want to put in or leave out? Right. It's just, these are decisions that are made by people. They're real, real people. And those people are us. And they, they just always <laughs> take time. <laughs> it takes time to make a table of contents, especially when it's all dice. Yeah, there's a lot of little tasks that feel like, it feels like, we should be delegating this to our underlings. <laughs> like, okay, we set it up. Little minion table of contents, please. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, I mean, that's, it is a great benefit of like capitalism makes underlings. Right. Ooh. Like, supposedly, we should have some underlings. Yeah. And we should, like, have no emotions about, like, making more money than them. That's right. <laughs> but that's we not... We should have an emotion. I mean, just... our emotion should be like, hey, we made it. This is what bootstrapping is called. <laughs> Entrepreneurial bliss. I was just thinking of, like, I have to interrupt every episode once for a little unrelated anecdote. I feel like we should have a musical hit. We probably should. So I was just thinking about a few years ago when I had been like, oh, shoot, do I have to, like, get a job? (laughs) And it was right before it was, like, February 2020 was the last time that I was really seriously looking for, like, where I was like, maybe I'm going to go back to the workforce. Mm -hmm. And remember? Yeah. I interviewed for a bunch of jobs. So I got I got interviews. That was yeah. a process. I was like, okay, I got some job interviews. There was, was one place that I interviewed for that was like a graphic designy type of position at this company that makes metal floors <laughs> for like industrial businesses. I don't know. They made huh. like s- some sort of metal metal inlays. And, you know, they needed somebody to make, like, their brochures and stuff for their show. When they go to show showrooms, when they go to metal floor conventions. Yeah. Anyway, so I went and I did the job interview. And the guy was, like, super skis. And it was not, it was kind of weird. And he had looked through my portfolio and he called it cute. And that was weird. Uh, and then he said it was, it was cute but amateurish and i was like okay (laughs) um but i felt like it was just like icky yeah and i was like why would you use that word in a job interview but then you know it was i could already tell that the interview wasn't i don't even want to say it was going bad it was going mutually like i was like okay this is like does not seem like a place that i would want to work um he's already told me that my like style won't fit here i'm not sure why we're continuing with this and just to be making small talk towards the end of the interview and said like, oh, you know, and I noticed that like business across the street, with a similar name. And he was like, oh, yeah, uh, my parents owned owned that business and they owned this business and they're both my parents' businesses. And now I own them. And, you know, then I just like got the whole story about how hard how hard he's worked to be <sighs> given his business. Why am I why am I getting us derailed with this? Well, this is. Because we're we're setting out goals. I was like, just like, we need there to become this man. It was just like, oh yeah, okay. Who's the who's the cute amateur now? <laughs> You're the baby. He's the baby. He's the canyon baby. <laughs> I remember you telling me about this now, and just getting this disgusting sense of this dude loving the chance to call you in to tell you that your stuff is amateurish and not a good fit. Like, I'm sure it just made him feel very competent to be able to say, you are incompetent. 
<laughs> Can I tell you one other part? Because I mean, yeah. also it was like I was interviewing for a lot of places like this. It was one of those places too where all of the employees were like uh, extremely well dressed, especially the women were like in suits and stuff. And he was wearing like a Hawaiian shirt and shorts. <laughs> and it was like the biggest founder energy yep. of just like expecting a totally different just like totally different standards for you and your underlings like right. your underlings are like playing the part so anyway they're all playing grown up over it i'll beep that out I'll beep i don't know that why out. you would I mean, who cares <laughs> no i don't need to i'm just kidding about the underlings guys I'm glad we're doing our own table of contents. Yeah, so I think that was why I went on such a big rant, because I, it's like... You saw me transforming to him in front of you. I was like, oh my god, Evan, where'd that Hawaiian shirt come from? (laughs) (laughs) This reminds me of a conversation I was having the other day, too, where it's just... I've said this before, I think, on the podcast, even. It's just that Kickstarter, in particular, has this promise to creators... That it's like, hey, you're a creative type. You're a poet. That's wonderful. You're a poet and you want to make poetry. Come to Kickstarter. You can publish your own poetry. And these delicate poets find themselves having to battle with layout software's automated table of contents functions and... I feel bad. I shouldn't call poets delicate. No. I'm sure poets are hardier than me. I uh, Literally, I cried the other day when everything was turning to dice. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like, why is it all dice? There's just a million jobs involved in publishing. And the creative part is just a little piece of it. At the end of the day, it's why I fondly recall making those examples. Because that was just like... We're just making up fun little stories, <laughs> like dude. Making like, stories. We're yeah. storytelling. This That's is, the dream. This is what you think you get paid for when you do your Kickstarter. But that that was so fast compared to everything else <laughs> we've been saying. Table of Contents dwarfed the pass over every single example in the book. Because uh, we're wrestling with dice pips. It's just, it can start to get to you how much time and effort is spent on these like tertiary little tasks. And it is kind of nice to be getting some competency in this extremely broad set of required skills. But when you're late... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when you're late is not the time that it's like, fun to be doing the like 101 introductory class. Yeah. And this sort of leads into one last thing I wanted to talk about, which is the ever-present urge to say, fuck it, that's good enough. That'll do. Whatever. Who's going to read this book? Yeah. Like, it's fine. It's like, oh, the example has turtles attacking a dragon and it could be bad. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, it'll be fine. One example not being better. One diagram with the perspective off. (laughs) One orphaned word. Like, over and over and over, there's these feelings of just like, we're late. We're tired. We're running into a ridiculous hang-up over this minuscule part of the book. And we just spent 15 minutes talking about how to rephrase one sentence to try to bump one word to the previous line. And the reason that we don't give in to that urge is because that will poison our relationship to this book. Yeah. It's already been exhausting to make this thing real. And you know, both of us feel like, okay, enough Questlandia for now. Enough. But when we finish this book, we're going to have a whole bunch of extra books. And the task on our plates will be to try to get people interested in it. Try to get people to play it and buy it. You know, like running games of it online. 
uh, taking pictures of it and posting it on social media, doing whatever, that's going to feel awful if we don't feel like this book is the best it can be. If we feel like this is a book where we threw in the towel, yeah, then every ounce of trying to introduce people to this book, trying to rally ourselves to be proud and enthusiastic about it, all of that would just be so miserable. I think maybe, you know, there are people who have the capacity to really rally themselves regardless, but it's too depressing for you and me, <laughs> too depressing to imagine enthusiastically pushing something where we don't like it. We feel unhappy with it. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. And it's something that I really appreciate about you when working with you is that there's, I'm usually the first one to kind of throw in the towel. Uh, no, it really well, does go back and forth. Well, okay. <laughs> I usually, I'm usually the first one to have to take a walk to cool off because <laughs> I, I'm like, let's just move on from the example. It's crap. Let's just have it be crap. And then I'm like, wait, no, it can't be crap. Let's just, let's look at it. Just really quickly, we can make it perfect. Yeah. And then like, 20 minutes later, I'm like, it's still not perfect. And then, you know, then you go for a walk and then have a little moral support boost. Go look at some mushrooms. You'll be like, look at that mushroom that's growing out of that stump. And I'm like, that's so nice. I love mushrooms. That is perfect. And then, <laughs> and then I feel better. And now I know it's so important to be proud of the thing that you made to want to sell it. To not want to say, like, just skip the example on page 34. Just everything except the example on page 34. Don't look at that. Like, Right. Yeah. I don't want any part of the book to be, like, a room you don't want guests to go into. Yeah, exactly. I want to be able to watch an actual play of this game and not be wincing when they turn to certain pages or read certain things out loud. I, well, I mean, there'll be a little bit of that regardless. <laughs> I mean, like, it's an yeah. actual play, dude. <laughs> We're going to be wincing from the beginning. <laughs> no shame. No shame. <laughs> uh. That brings us to another podcast on the One Shot Network we'd like to highlight. <laughs> <laughs> I think we are getting to the end here. Any uh any closing words before we do our post our post closing words? <laughs> I guess we made a commiserating episode here. This is commiserating yeah. for all those creators who feel like it should be over but it's not. We see you. We too are struggling with the babies. Yeah. The design doc intro and outro theme is written <laughs> by, I'm enunciating. Is written? written. Was written? Is, is written. Is written. It is, is written. written. I mean, it was written. It's, <laughs> but it still is. It still is. <laughs> by our friend, Pat King. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> we said it a million times. I don't know why I'd get tripped up on it today. Design Doc is supported by our Patreon, patreon.com slash turtle bun. See, it sounds so normal when you, when you, when you do the tease. A turtle bun. <laughs> our Patreon is where we share previews of the work we're doing, give little updates about our personal lives. For some reason, <laughs> we record clips, but sometimes we talk about shows and movies we've seen. It's a very casual place. If any of that sounds rewarding, uh, maybe sign up for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> that a link again is patreon.com slash turtlebun. 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 Thank you. Design Doc is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network. One Shot hosts other great shows. Better shows, even. <laughs> <laughs> You're making up for us trash talking the, the actual plays. It's, good. it's true. <laughs> uh, we, we deserved that one.
like Campaign, <laughs> Campaign Skyjacks takes place in an original setting inspired by folktales and classic adventure fiction. James D'Amato leads Liz Anderson, John Patrick Cohen, Tyler Davis, Johnny O'Mara, and, in recent episodes, Nathan Blades, as they tell a tale of daring sky pirates, giant birds, and the terror of a cursed sea. It's funny, dramatic, and at times, emotionally devastating. Just like this podcast. <laughs> Just search for Campaign Skyjacks or James D'Amato on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. Well read. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used my podcast voice. By the way, real no, quick. No, I think we just go. I think we leave. I think we're done. What are you saying? I'm, I kind of wanted to point people at iTunes. Okay. Speaking of favorite podcast apps, <laughs> if yours is or isn't iTunes. <laughs> well, we got all the Steve Jobs stance in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Design Talks on the iTunes uh, software, <laughs> software library of podcasts. And that's a place where you can leave a review of this very podcast. And when you do that, uh, it impresses others. It impresses us. It does. It makes a difference. People find the podcast. Uh, so maybe do that. Huh? And with your help, we did, I think, successfully bully the other podcast named Design Doc off air. So we were thanks, here first. heroes. <laughs> you, it's true. I know. They made a bad... You, you just, you just got to like do a little Google before you name your podcast Design Doc. Right? We did a Google. We did. Weren't we, we were going like, to name it something else that was taken? Hmm. Don't remember. We could have been in one of our many alternate timelines. We were the second design doc. And we've been forced to fold. And our podcast is now called... Sad Times Happy Hour. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we have for today. That might be all we have, period. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because it depends on what timeline we're in. So we'll see you next time, heroes, in Timeline Prime. See you next time, heroes. Mm -hmm.